0: Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian, and author of Critical Issues Commentary. In this series, we are discussing Dutch Sheet's book, Intercessory Prayer, and we've been talking about his chapter on supernatural childbirth. Now, just to get us started, would you please read for us Genesis 1, 1 through 2, and then we'll discuss how he applies this in his book.
1: Okay, I'm uh, reading from the New America Standard. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters.
0: All right, so he's going to use this then to make some rather strange claims about what it means when the Holy Spirit is moving. He actually says here, and this is his question that he attempts to answer, what does it mean when it says the Holy Spirit moved? Now, looking just at the literal reading of that verse, what does it mean when the Holy Spirit moved?
1: Well, as I read it, I see that God's creating.
0: Right, and it's we read a... in the New Testament that he created through the word. We have to have a Trinitarian doctrine here. And yeah. even the creation includes the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
1: Right. Especially when you look at John 1 1. Yes. And uh, actually, the prologue of John, John 1 1 through 18, makes it clear the deity of Christ, the existence of Christ. Notice it says, in the beginning, and when you read in John 1, you have from the beginning is uh, attributed to the Christ was with him from the beginning.
0: And that's really important. Actually, if you want to open to John 1, 3 Yeah, I'm looking for that
1: one here now.
0: I'll read what Dutch Sheets says, and then okay, we can I'll, read that. I'll be that. looking
1: for John 1 here.
0: Okay. So Dutch Sheets says, this is page 138. We are told that all things were created by his word. See John 1, 1-3 and Colossians 1-16. But it was the Holy Spirit that brooded or hovered over the earth, releasing his creative energies or power at the words of Jesus, giving birth to what Christ spoke. Now let's see if we find that in John 1, 1-3. Well,
1: I'll read probably a little further than that. Okay. John 1, 1. In the beginning, there's that word again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Then verse 3, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now, the details of this are important theologically. Okay. I remember, it's been actually some decades since I taught through the Gospel of John. Yes. If I lived long enough, I wouldn't mind doing it again sometime. But right now I'm in First Corinthians. But I remember uh, studying this and i writing about it actually when I was in seminary as well. There is a word there that shows that there's two, at least the two persons of the Trinity, Father and the Son, because of the Greek. Okay. And some have said he was face to face with God. Okay. So there's this is refuting Jesus only Pentecostalism and uh, modal monarchialism. Okay. And Arianism, Arius, Jesus there was a time when he was not. This is about the deity of Christ and that he's the creator. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that came into being. Okay. So later in John, for example, when he's debating with his critics in John 8, he says to them, before Abraham existed, I am. I
0: am, yeah.
1: And there's a number of these I am statements in the Gospel of John. Yes. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. But the one in John 8, I think 58, but I'm going from memory here, but I believe it's the one about Abraham is really distinguishing Christ from a created being, Abraham, mm-hmm. as the great I am. And then that's a allusion to Exodus when God, Yahweh, appears to Moses at the burning bush. It says, when he says, Who shall I say, send me? I am. Say, I am, send me. I am that I am. Yes. In the Greek, ego, eimi, me, in John and uh, in the Septuagint, the Old Testament. So this is asserting the eternal, non contingent existence of God, the Son, the eternal. Right. Oh. Well,
0: and I think the original Jewish audience, as soon as he said, I am, their minds probably went right to Moses.
1: They go back to Moses being confronted by God at the burning bush. And they knew what he was talking about. In fact, in John, they wanted to stone him because they said he made himself equal to God. Yes. And they were hostile to him. Yep. They, they were offended by his claims. And it says, reading out of John 1, verse 4: In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay. okay. So the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not comprehended. But there's a word there in the Greek, if I remember right. Again, there's a conflict. All right. And so the, the darkness and the light are in conflict. Okay. But the 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 darkness can't overcome the eternal light of the world, Jesus Christ. Right. So this is exalting him as the creator. Yes. And then in John when you see from the beginning it's harkening back to the creation. Okay. So then it talks about John the Baptist. Who came to testify of the light. In verse nine, it says in John 1, There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. Yes. That uh, means it doesn't mean that every man's saved, but whatever light we have, we have to get from him. Okay. Spiritual. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. It's another claim that he's the creator. The world did not know him. There's no relationship with him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. That is, he was rejected by his own people. Yes. I mentioned that last week when I we talked about Caiaphas, and they wanted to get rid of him. But ironically, oh. they were providing the means of salvation.
2: Absolutely.
1: The Holy One, he died for all. But it says in verse 12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. I preached on that recently in one of my applications. And uh, I don't remember the date. It wasn't that long ago. I was in Corinthians, but I covered a little section of John 3 carefully from the Greek. I can tell you this. I don't know what that sheets is talking about. Okay. His application of this, uh, some hovering birthing principle, is odd.
0: It is. And, And just to remind listeners here, the context of what we're talking about is his claim, and this is on page 137, therefore anything we might accomplish in intercession that results in a birthing would have to be something that causes or releases the Holy Spirit to do it. So the context of this whole conversation is his claim that we release the Holy Spirit to birth new life or miracles or whatever it is. He claims that we are birthing.
1: I, I remember reading that and marked it as problematic to say the least. Yes. He says that I want to say unequivocally, there's a prayer that birth. Right. We have to do something. So yeah. and we and, call it release the spirit. Now we read Genesis. There wasn't anybody around that was a sinner to cause the creation to happen. Right. Okay. We read John 1, one through I went, I think, through about 12. This is talking about the eternal God, the Son, who Created. Yes. And who is the light of the world, who is eternal, non-contingent God. Okay. Not dependent on something outside of himself.
0: Yes. Especially not us (laughs) praying prayers of intercession to release the Holy Spirit.
1: No. Last week we talked about who sends the Spirit. Yes. We we noticed in church history they debated, but they were debating whether the Father sent the Spirit or the Father and the Son sent the Spirit.
0: Right. The this idea was, that was, we send nobody the Spirit.
1: was saying we send the Spirit. Right. So they could say, "Well, yeah, the the Father and Son sent the Spirit, but we release him." Yes. Well, then, how was anybody saved on a day of Pentecost when there wasn't a some somebody to release the spirit
0: exactly the the whole thing is just it doesn't stand up to the the test of scripture and even just logical applications
1: yeah the implications and applications are valid but they have to be logically connected to the text yes now so much damage has been done and it seems like the stuff keeps getting recirculated okay I remember hearing uh, in the early '80s uh, when some of us were had enough of the supposed moves of God. I was part of it, and someone would come through town. Here's the latest move of God. Here's what the Holy Spirit is doing now, and then we people would get excited and go to the meetings. And this is it. This is going to do it, and then that would fizzle out, and then there would be another one. I think okay he moves of God and find something in Genesis is it moving yeah. right Well that's that's the sort of uh, fanciful use of scripture that I remember in the 70s. okay and part of the reason I got out of the movement was eventually they they got more fanciful and more, I would just say it extreme. And eventually, it just wasn't believable. Yes. Okay. And they got mixed up with people's stories, people's visions and revelations, psychological theory found in books. Okay. Allegorizing the Old Testament, claiming the word of knowledge means, you know, what, curse somebody's under, things like that. Finally, we decided we got to teach the word of God. All right. So... In 1983, as I've said many times, we began teaching verse by verse through the Bible. One of the first ones was John, by the way, that we're in now. But you know what some people said? They come, slogans are very useful to people trying to get their point out there. Slogans. Okay. Here's a slogan Exit Jesus means exit Jesus.
0: (laughs) I remember hearing that.
1: (laughs) And that was their rebuttal to us doing what we're doing right here, which is doing the study to see what the author meant. Okay. So rather than there's an experience, a dream, a story, a move of God, and then let's go get a concordance and dig around and see if we can't pull together a bunch of passages to make it look like it's saying that. All right without ever seeing what god did say okay and so what we're doing here with these podcasts is taking the text and doing the acts of jesus to share with you uh, our listeners what god said and you can judge whether we're correct And God did say this. I believe that the Bible does teach the deity of Christ. And that John 1, 1 through 3 is amazingly powerful, profound exclamation of Jesus Christ as the creator. Okay. Okay. And we're Trinitarian and for good reason. Yes. So... Is that more powerful than somebody's story about birthing based on, was there a passage where Elijah was squatting?
0: Yes, it was. Uh,
1: hmm. We talked about First, Yeah,
0: First Kings 18.
1: Yeah, so these are just loosely strung together ideas. What's more powerful? The Word of God, for what it says, applied biblically and accurately, It will give hope and comfort to every believer or strung together stories, loosely related scriptures that really, in effect, aren't speaking about the same thing. Or if they are, that's not the point that uh, Mr. Sheets is making or what the Bible actually says.
0: Yeah. We need to cling to what the Bible actually says.
1: Well, of course. Yeah. When Peter preached, The Holy Spirit poured out at Pentecost. We talked about this last week. He cited scripture after scripture. Right. And he cited them. Why? Because the disillusionment that had happened in Acts 1, they were saying, we thought that he was going to restore the kingdom. Right.
0: The the kingdom of Israel.
1: Right. In other words, if Messiah, son of David, the anointed one. By the way, Christ means anointed one. Okay. Ah, uh, Christos, the anointed one. The unique one. Only begotten means the unique one. It's a, okay. it's a different word in the Greek. This is about the uniqueness of Christ. Yes. There's no reason to say, well, he needs us to release the spirit. We're going to do this. Right. Because... That's just not the point. The point is the uniqueness of Christ. They thought he would restore the kingdom to Israel. Right. So why did Peter preach all these scriptures on the day of Pentecost? To show that what he did do was predicted.
3: Yes, absolutely.
1: And one of them, Psalm 110, verse 1, that he would reign at the right hand of God and high, Psalm 110. Okay. And that he poured out the Spirit. And there we see this, and that the Messiah would be rejected is predicted in Scripture. Yes. And that's you find that throughout Acts and elsewhere in the Bible. So when they used these Scriptures, they were showing what they meant. Isaiah 53, Psalm 110, many other passages. Jesus cited okay. Scripture in Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. When he came in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, but he didn't cite the one about vengeance, which is right there. Right. Okay. They wanted vengeance on their enemies by the end of, excuse me, Luke 4. They wanted to throw him off a cliff. Yeah. (laughs) They rejected him. Okay. Okay. So they wanted a king. They want their enemies defeated, Gentiles defeated, the unclean people removed, a kingdom. And when he died, On a tree, cursed as he who hangs on a tree, he was bearing the curse for us. And he ascended into heaven, Psalm 110, verse 1, where he reigns. When he comes again, that's when he brings the wrath. Yes. And establishes the kingdom. So that's all right there. Now, if Peter used the same hermeneutic that a lot of these um, NAR folks use, his sermon on Pentecost makes no sense at all because he kept taking things literally. Right.
0: So, and then before we run out of time, I, I do want to bring this back to Genesis 1, 1 and okay. 2, because Dutch Sheets is going somewhere with this. So right. just to refresh memories here, uh, Genesis 1, 1 and 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Yep. Okay, so we discussed that. We talked about John 1. We talked about Christ existing as God and with God from the beginning. Right. Okay, here's the Dutch Sheets interpretation. What the Holy Spirit was doing in Genesis when he brought forth or gave birth to the earth and the world is exactly what he wants to do through our prayers in bringing forth sons and daughters. He wants to go forth and hover around individuals releasing his awesome power to convict, break bondages, bring revelation, and draw them to himself in order to cause the new birth or new creation in them. Yes, the Holy Spirit wants to birth through us. So now we've got Genesis 1, 1 and 2 being about he wants to do through our prayers What he did in Genesis 1, I don't even see the connection.
1: Well, there is none. Yeah. How come come there's such a push to denigrate the uniqueness of Christ, the sovereignty of God, the eternal, all-powerful, God, non-contingent, not dependent on anything outside of himself, existed from all eternity as God and with God, as we say in John 1, let's turn that into something that has to happen through us. Right. Why? Is that what the text is telling us?
0: Absolutely
1: not. Only one creator. Okay. See, this is, although somewhat different, the first cousin of a Emergent in a different sort of way. Yeah. Emergent says we are co-recreators of the world with him. Yes. So the way I just, I read another book on that a while back, I decided not to write on it or critique it because it's the same idea that we have is a British version of emergent. Okay. Rather than the fall, alienation, wrath of God, they have creation, decreation, recreation.
0: Right, was it? Wasn't there an emergent author who said we fell up?
1: That was Boltman. Um, I, I, I talked about that in my book. I wrote about emergent.
0: Okay, so that's why I'm making the emergent yeah. connection well, that, there.
1: But they took that and they have God is in everything. Yes. And that gives them hope that it's all going to emerge into something better. Okay. So the emergent version of it is, we're not heading toward wrath. We're 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 being recreated into a beautiful world as we are co-recreators with God. Okay. We have panentheism. God is in everything. The NAR is more bold. They're going to decree it. Yes. And we release the spirit. We decree what's going to happen.
0: We did, I think, two or three episodes on Dutch Sheets Watchman decree a while back. None of it happened.
1: Well... I thought about that when we're going, this was in 1996, all of this, it goes way back to Jane lead. You want to read the article I wrote about the roots and fruits of the new apostolic reformation. This isn't new. Okay. And it goes back way before that with some of the post-millennial claims that we're going to bring the millennium into being through actions on the earth. So it doesn't happen. Right, It just does not happen. And wishful thinking, decrees, stories, fanciful Bible interpretation based on loose connections that really don't say what they claim it says, unusual interpretation of church history. A lot of that comes from church history. All of this, whether it's the emergent or the new apostolic, that's not the world we're living in. Okay. That's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible tells us that we're headed toward judgment. Yes. And that we need to flee from the wrath of God. Okay. And that Jesus Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. And that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be preached everywhere. And the number who respond in faith is a small number, but that's the ones. Who are being built on the foundation of Christ and his apostles and are part of the church. Yes. The world isn't becoming the church. The world isn't being recreated into paradise without judgment. Okay. We're not doing greater miracles than Jesus and his apostles. Right. Okay. It's not happening. Wishful thinking doesn't make it happen. Right. These it just isn't there. And the Bible doesn't say that we'll do greater miracles. They just interpret things that way.
0: Well, and I think it's important to note, okay, it's not happening. The reason for that isn't a failure on our part, which is no. what these teachers would have us believe.
1: I know. They're really good at dumping failure on everybody but their own selves because they're the great hope of the kingdom. Okay. so no we don't know. But it fails. William Branham failed. He's buried under a pyramid and different ones have tried to get their anointing from that pyramid he's under.
2: Okay. Died
1: in 1965. Go on back to these many claimants. And one thing that they say, and I, I've cited this, and it's in the article that I wrote about it, where I cite their writings. Okay. They consider... Ordinary Christians, meaning people who love Christ, are born of God, are trusting his promises, have the gift of eternal life, share the gospel, pray for the lost, pray for one another, gather in his name, simply studying the scriptures, breaking bread, and doing the things God's ordained, priesthood of every believer, are utter failures. And that Jesus won't come back for us because we're a pathetic, disease ridden, defeated church.
0: Wow, that's really sad.
1: Yes, but- and I can cite that. It's in the article I wrote on the roots and fruits of the New Apostolic Reformation. That's what they say. Okay. So if you don't want to be the pathetic, disease ridden, horrible church that Jesus doesn't want anything to do with, then you got to go to their meetings, find that move of God. Okay, but they're just meetings and claims. They're not anything that, if it's whatever is valid at any of those meetings, are things that we can all have right here by believing God's promises. Whatever is not valid is just harming people.
0: Right, and th- this whole thing, and and that's really where this is going. This this talk of a restored eden here i'm just kind of flipping ahead a couple of pages page 142 he says the spirit of the lord is being released through this intercession all right that's our birthing prayers to hover over not only cities but entire nations we will see dramatic revivals as this hovering continues and intensifies through the prayers of the saints so that's page i read okay. it,
1: yeah i saw that today i was reading yeah before we started recording i read that section And as soon as I did, I went and looked up some of the articles we wrote. We've been doing critical issues for over 30 years now. Yes. I've written about other versions of that that came and went just in my lifetime. Oh, right. Of writing about this. There was the prayer of Jabez.
0: Right. That was was big a while back.
1: Somehow take the prophets from that book. People are supposed to repeat this prayer. He was going to save some African nation. But that, that African nation isn't serving God. Okay. There was purpose-driven, which is going to be a reformation. I was there when all these people, all I was at I the meeting uh, to preach the gospel to, to Rick Warren. But here's all these people from all over, and they were just giddy with excitement. The three-legged stool is going to be the great move of God, the new reformation, the purpose-driven reformation. It's going to Christianize, three-legged stool, business, church, and government. are going to band together to Christianize the world and bring the end of a lot of problems. And glorious things are happening. It was going to happen really soon. Well, they kind of gave up on their claim because it didn't happen. Right. Neither did the Bruce Wilkinson prayer of thing happen. And now we have more claims. The claims have been going on. Centuries ago they made claims like this. Okay. It's not biblical. We're not heading toward paradise on earth, whole saved nations, because it narrows the gate and narrows the path that leads to eternal life. Yes. You walk on it. Okay. That's the norm. Right. The Christianized Vatican, you know, institutional church. Yeah, are there are there really billions of Christians right now? No. No. Yeah. It's just one big massive institution in the case of Rome, but they won't give people true hope of eternal life without a whole lot of works and a lot of confusion, a lot of sorrow. And these apostles and prophets won't give you that either. Yes. So, dear ones, Knowing Jesus Christ means you have everything. You're part of his kingdom, and he is not ashamed to come for the church when he does. Because what makes us righteous is the blood of Jesus that cleanses us continually. Don't listen to these grandiose claims that would indicate there's some secret we don't know To get this birthing to happen so whole nations can be saved. Yes. It will not happen until Christ returns and establishes the millennial kingdom. Okay. Even at that, at the end of the thousand years, they rebel. Right. So how are you going to undo the effects of sin by wishful thinking and romantic idealism?
0: Not going to happen. Nope. All right. Do you have anything you want to add before we close?
1: Preach the gospel and God will rescue people out of it. Yes. Don't allow yourselves to be taken in because they will. If you start having problems, very rare that these hot shots will ever come to your aid. Yeah. Because you just feel like you're a defeated Christian. And eventually some people say, I don't even want to go to church because people will see I'm defeated. Right. Yeah, that breaks my heart.
0: Yep. All right. So we are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramus
1: and Bob Duwait.
0: We'll see you next week.